When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. that happens uh, hello good evening and welcome to winners and losers with the lfc day trippers i'm gav that's dicko that's p and we have two winners we have two losers for this week and um we have new music um as you can see at the start we have made it the debut tonight of that music because phil's not here because he has an absolute breakdown over music so we've uh we've thrown her in tonight i think it's a belter Um, it's the third version of winners and losers intro and um, because we keep getting done for copyright uh, but hopefully hopefully that one stands up and we're absolutely okay it's and i wouldn't mind it's not like fucking no gallagher drinking someone and going listen they'll use me music it's just someone somewhere some randomer going through our videos which is mental um so uh Comments are starting to fly in here. People are starting to fly in to watch. Um, so we all know how it works. The lads have two topics each. Uh, one a winner, one a loser. 12-minute time slot on each of them. And when the t- 12 minutes is up, you will hear this. We're in showbiz, baby. Okay. We're working on new um, sound effects. The Harry Maguire one is the one I really want. And I might get the mashed potato from the golf as well. It's just... We just realised that before we started that that might be a good one. Uh, Pete on the Sangria. Says uh, Tom Boland, good man. Actually, um, GNT, GNT, GNT. I thought it was one of those rose <laughs> fucking uh, what you call them, West Coast coolers or something. Because it's <laughs> midweek. Um, now, Sas Copy is waiting in the airport, so this would be a good hour to pass. Good man, that's of course his man from Canada. Right, I don't know where to start. Let P. Let's start with your winner. Let's start with your winner. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Uh, well, my winners this week and my winners are obviously the fringe players who have secured their moves away from the clubs. I mean, for me, you know, you it's obviously boring season for everybody. There's nothing to play for. Everybody, all the journals are making up stories left, right and centre. But Liverpool, as usual, only commit stuff to the press that's really happening. So the likes of Divock Origi, obviously maybe Minamino and a couple of players who have served their purpose. Um, and may not be with us are, are getting their they're just desserts and their moves away and to be honest with you the reason I choose choose them as winners is every one of them to a T even the young lads who are going out it looks like Nico Williams might you know might be going out for for a big big amount of money whether it be Nottingham Forest or maybe even back to Fulham they go out you know with their heads held high they go out you know not saying anything bad about the club not really having anything. No controversy. Just it's. It seems to be the whole club. It's all. It's a. It's a bit like what we said last week. Gav, you know, it's the that succession. Just succession planning. Everybody knows their place. Even those lads, they know 
what they're doing, the lads that are coming in know what they have to do, you know, to, to earn their place, not on the 11 in the squad. And it just, to me, just, I mean, I, I look at other players, for example, who I contrast them to, the likes of Jesse Lingard, for example, and Manchester United. It's just literally a song and a dance and a huge controversy. Oh, they, nobody said goodbye to me properly. I've been disrespected this. Then the other extreme end, the likes of Paul Pogba, who, I mean, has made a documentary about, you know, what side of the bed he's, he's getting up, he's making a documentary about where he's going and the nothing that he was offered. It's just all trouble everywhere else. But again, even lads that aren't going to stay with Liverpool Football Club, even leaving seems to be pleasant. And I know that Dicko, one of his topics tonight, is going to talk about somebody coming back to us. It goes to show you the door is always open at Liverpool. And I think even probably more so now than even over the last couple of decades. But people come, they go, they understand their place. They always want to come back. There's no bitterness. And I just think it makes them winners. Divock Origi for me leaves an absolute winner. A lot of people debate over, the, over whether he's a legend or whether he's you know, deserving of a statue or deserving of this or that. But for me, nobody comes, nobody stays, nobody goes without it being pleasant. It's just an all-round fantastic place to be, Liverpool, it seems, particularly lately. And I just think, you know, I want to kind of tip my hat to the to the lads that are leaving and just call them absolute winners. I mean, look at even Sadio Mane. Five years ago, if Sadio Mane was leaving us, it would have been consternation. It would have been... You know, he's at the peak of his career, let's be honest. He's 30 years of age, probably another three sensational but years left in him. But we've looked at him, we're like, okay, he's won every single club major trophy that you could win with us. And 99.9% of the fan base is just wishing him good luck, wanting him to absolutely smash it for Bayern Munich, except if it's against us. And just excited for him, not, you know, not just saying, ah, oh, what could have been... But understanding, you know, the the bulk of the fan base understands the progression. I think people are starting to understand now what Jurgen Klopp does. That not that we become predictable, but that he needs to mix it up a little bit. And Sadio Mane needs to go. And I just, you know, Mane's a winner. Origi's a winner. Minamino's a winner. There's no gnashing of teeth that people leaving. It's just, it's the healthiest I've seen in my lifetime. Liverpool Football Club being and I think the players and the personalities that have been brought in are a huge testament to that now I know Klopp didn't bring Origi in but certainly he kept him there for a reason and I just think it's a real indication of where we are at the moment absolutely healthy the healthiest cl- the club in world football and it goes to show you, you don't you, you don't just come in and add to it even when you leave you add to what we're doing for me it's incredible for me it's incredible <clears throat> the, we done a show on Mane last night and my feeling on it is you don't know why Mane is leaving you just don't um, you know we don't know whether it's because he wants a new challenge we don't know whether it's because Klopp has said enough he wants to do something different or we don't know if it's because Liverpool haven't offered him enough money to stay um, or the terms on that deal that he's being offered is just not enough for Sadio Mane and he's decided no they probably don't want me enough. I'll go off and I'll play for Bayern Munich. We, we don't know what it is. It could be any of those. We'll probably find out more of when he signs for Bayern Munich and you'll probably get some quotes from him. And usually, without saying anything, you can usually read the vibes of what he's talking about and how he talks about Liverpool as to was everything all right when he was leaving. I get where you're coming from, though, with, with players leaving and, and everything kind of being very civil. 
you know, I think that's the word for it. Um, very civil, speak very well at the club. And I don't know what it is. I think because we're so good at the moment, I think it's easier for players if they leave because they can't get in the team and they might need to go somewhere else for another challenge. And I'm not talking about Manny in that one. But I think it's, it might be easier where they go, this team is just so fucking good. You know what I mean? And it's easier to accept. Whereas if you go back 10 years ago and there's a player leaving and he's kind of surplus to requirements under Brendan Rodgers, say, um, a little less than 10 years ago, you, you'd probably get players going, well, I could have played in that team. Look who's there, look who's there. I could do this, I could do that. And no one could really argue against them. Even though you might have thought the player was brutal, you go, well, they're not a great side. You know, could he have done a job? But I think the way things are now is that if you take Minamino, Minamino's come over. He's been unlucky with COVID when it kicked in and he doesn't get a chance really to mix with his teammates and it takes an awful long time. He's top scorer in both cup competitions this season, but he's looking at it going, will he go for the Cups next season? Will I get into that team? Probably not. And they're just very, very fucking good. And he leave on good terms and he go and I think it is a sign of where the club are at. Um, and not only really good people are it, but the structure is brilliant because everyone knows their role. Everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone speaks when they're meant to speak and they don't speak out of turn. Um, you know, like, like other clubs do. And it's very straight down the line. And when it's very straight down the line like that, it's very hard to find variances in what people are saying because only one person's saying it. So you can't really fish for variances, variances if you know what I mean. Um, but... But I, I go with you though. If Minamino went, if Manny will go, or Rigi, um, Nico Williams has been linked with numerous clubs now at this stage. Um, and they'll all go and they'll all speak well at Liverpool and you wish them all the best. And it is, although they're leaving the club, they're leaving the club with nothing tarnished on their reputation, which is, which is important, you know. They go, we've seen players over the years leave the club and. You know, they, 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 they do all sorts of interviews. They, there's all sorts of comments out of them. But Pete's right, isn't he? It's, you know, whether you agree with them going or not, it seems to me like everything is just done right. Yeah. I mean, it's all, at the end of the day, it's all down to culture, isn't it? And, you know, culture encompasses a lot of things. And I think exits are an important part sometimes that kind of, not seen as important, but I think they are. We've seen it last season with uh, uh, the sort of the outpouring of um, thanks for Wijnaldum and Shakiri, uh leaving in, in slightly different circumstances to one another. But, you know, even with the, the you know, a lot of people wanting Wijnaldum to stay when he did make that decision to leave and go to PSG, you know, there was nothing but well wishes. And, and I think the same would have been said for the players in that dressing room as well. I mean, there's, there's, there's a togetherness there from, I think, almost the moment that players enter into Liverpool Football Club to the moment that they have to step foot outside of the club. You know, you've seen it with um, Gordon and uh, Nunes, you know, the signings. It's generating a lot of excitement. You see with Nunes, you know, Trent straight out there putting kind of funny tweets out there about, you know, may I may I assist you? You know, I think it's just a, an ingrained part of the culture now that Klopp and all his staff have, 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 have got sort of, you know, top and bottom of, of the club. And, and it's something that we've got to be thankful for, to be honest with you. You see elsewhere, you know, um, acrimonious 
um, separations of players and clubs. You know, I think we'll come on to my subject in a while around uh, Lukaku leaving, and we'll we'll also, um, you know, we've also seen we've also seen kind of you know things around potentially Sterling leaving, and I think that'll kick up a bit of a stink as well. And you feel with other clubs, obviously, uh, Pete's touched on the way Manchester United seems to be operating at the moment. So I think even Manchester City, you can kind of you can see one or two kind of characters leaving that club over the next year or two and, and coming out and, and doing interviews and actually um, revealing more than I would imagine Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola would be comfortable with being revealed in public. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think there's, there's potentially flashpoints there further down the road, but I think with us, um, you know, these players that, I mean, even the man, like the man, a, Exit is a bit shocking in some respects. I mean, it came about so quickly. Um, but but if you think about it, the way and and it, and to me, the move, you know, he manufactured the move, but he did go about it in a far better way than any, you know, than than a lot of players in his position probably would have gone. You know, there was none of this. It was obviously in his mind in the lead up to the end of the season. He kept the lid on it. He never went out there saying that he was looking, you know, to move and finish off his Liverpool career when we still had, you know, trophies to win around the time when we were trying to win FA Cup finals, we're trying to clinch a league, we're trying to win a Champions League. You know, this is a big, big player who's left the club and actually he's gone out with, you know, all the best wishes in the world from the fan base, which which I think is quite a hard thing to do in this day and age and, and with social media and so on and so forth, I actually think he goes out with his head held high. So whether it be Mane, Origi, others to come with the likes of Minamino, um, you know, I, I think this there's a common there's a common theme now around players once they've served the time with the club, um, you know, get get getting you know, all the well wishes from from both the, the management team the players and the fan base. You're doing well there. 19 seconds left. Um, we'll I just thought hope, he'd we'll last we'll... 15 if he wanted to come back in. No, I, just, I just think you're right. I think you're, you're, and I'm glad we're agreed on it because for me, to be honest with you, it's the one thing that transpires in this is that there's a structure of the club, there's a plan and it's not going to change for anybody, to be honest with you. Well done. We're in showbiz, baby. That was good. <laughs> really good timing. Um, Escapado says we are sweeping problems under the carpet. We need to either sell players on one year contracts or re-sign this window. What what will what are we gonna do if they all leave next summer? Um, the thing about that is for me is you're gonna see this an awful lot more in football. I think it's it's not creeping into the game. I think it's been around a little while, but you're, I think you're gonna see more and more players running down contracts, not interested in moves. Um, and I'm not just talking about Salah on this because people think, oh, you're just saying this because of Salah. No, I think you're seeing a, a quite a lot in football now where players are going, I'll do another year. I'm not a good team. They're not bad. Um, but I could probably treble me signing on fee next summer. Um, I won't have to worry about my club accepting any deal. Yeah. Um, so for the sake of a year, I can don't have to have transfer negotiations. I'm free to sign for whoever I want. They can offer me treble what the signing on fee what I would get this summer. And possibly more money. 
than they would give me this summer. You know, the sort of way. And, and you know, like pe- people are going on about this midfield thing and, and I hate to go out on a tangent, but the, the midfield thing for me is, let me put it out there. I think we should sign a midfielder if one of our midfielders leaves. Now, that's not me sitting on the fence. You have to look at numbers when it comes to midfield. There's seven players in midfield. We can't just sign an eight for the crack. And yeah. if you sign an eight for the crack, you're probably leaving, I would say, Oxide chamberlain as far as down the list of midfield at the moment. You're leaving a fella on six million quid a year on the bench. One year left on his deal. He might run her out. We might get a few quid from him in the summer. It, if it was me, I think it would make sense to move Oxide chamberlain on. And it's not because I don't like Alex Oxley chamberlain It's because I think it showed in the last while when he was fit, especially Southampton away, where we're we're rotating heavily at Southampton away, and he doesn't get a look in, and he's fit. He ends up on the bench. I don't think he comes on. Doesn't get a look in, and I understand. I kind of understand when people say, "Oh, we need to sign a midfielder." I would like to up the quality in midfield. Right, um, dependency as well. Uh, how dependent the player, or how you know reliable they are. But I don't think you can do it with seven sitting there already. So yeah, if you if you want Ox to go, the club might say to Ox, I don't know how much you'll get, much game time you get, and he go, well, let's say for a year, hundred and twenty grand a week, and then mm. someone will give me ten million next summer. You know, so it's hard to do. I kind of get where we where people are in the midfield thing. I understand if you look at the the injuries, um. The injuries that these players come across at times, um, the drop in form, absolutely get it. But I think you're going to have to wait and see someone leave until someone comes in. And, and that all ties back to players leaving the club and, you know, how do you leave? And it's very gracious when they leave and stuff like that. But you're seeing creeping in more and more now where you might get a bit of, you know, people going head to head against each other, clubs and players, because why wouldn't they? Stay for another year, you know that sort of way. Um, We've got a factor in this season, Gav, as well. Is what 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 players are going to be taking part in a World Cup as well? Mm. And sometimes there's additional value around keeping players around who are not going to be participating in a World Cup. You know, either side of that that break in the middle of the season. Mm. So mm. there's a lot. It's a it's a very unusual season this season. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it's. Just says end of the day, it's honouring a contract. It's all you can ask for. Yeah, and I know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but that midfield thing just keeps coming up and up and up. You know, um, but as I said, n- numbers dictates what you have, and I think I I I would I'd be amazed if Liverpool don't sign a midfielder if one of them goes. I'd be amazed, and I'd be kind of looking going, whoa, hold on a minute, what's going on here? But we don't know what's going to happen, and you might see one lift. You might like you. I've seen stuff about Keita and money for a guy in Italy, Barella, and I've seen, you know, will Locks leave. And if one of those were to leave, I think Liverpool would have to bring one in. Um, but at the moment, Liverpool aren't going to tell you. Liverpool, you know all this, oh, their, their summer's done. They're, seeing, they're not going to come out and say we're actively looking for a centre midfielder. Why would you? It's only going to push our price up. But we'll it's see, just we'll sign one, Dad. Hmm? It's just sign one. Yeah. Well, he's, he can play three or four positions. Let's get on to it. Who is your winner of the week, Dicko? My winner of the week is Jay Spearn returning to the club. Um, obviously, he's a, he's he's a huge winner. I mean, obviously, his career once he left Liverpool um, kind of went in went in 
one direction and it wasn't a very good direction really I suppose from the point of view of you know the clubs that he was playing for and so on and, and what become of his career I mean interestingly I was just looking here his last um, his last match at 10 years ago in, in 2012 was a, a Europa League qualifier against Hearts uh, right. I don't even I think I've I think I've blacked that kind of those scenarios out of my mind. Did we win that probably. like one nil on aggregate? <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah probably like that. Yeah, we draw like the away leg and then win one nil and something something crazy like that. But then when you actually have a look at the team we we put out in as what what turned out to be his last game for the club, you can understand why we might have only won that one nil on aggregate. There is one player though who was in that side uh, who still is at the club. Any any guesses? Jordan Henderson. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, he could, he could, he could restore his. He uh, could rekindle a midfield partnership. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? <laughs> How much fun would it be if we rocked up the Fulham with Henderson spearing and fucking Kate in midfield? Um, just oh my god! Just for the just throw him out fifteen minutes just to see the reaction and take him back off. But, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's a good it, move it's, for him. It's look, it's a it's a great move for him. I mean, um I think we have um it kind of reminds me a bit of the, the kind of the boot room kind of scenario in some ways. We we've obviously decided to bring back someone who has got um a, a very good understanding and knowledge of um of, of coming through the club at a young age, um, probably understands uh, and, and, has, and has walked that path of what it, what it, what it is to, to be a young starlet, then make that breakthrough, uh, get into the first team, maybe establish yourself for a short while. And then obviously the other end of it, understanding what the, what the, the pitfalls, I suppose, are of, um, of, of ultimately not making it, and then and then um, I suppose he could demonstrate that he still has had a, a ten-year career in football, even after he didn't make it um, or sustain that that initial kind of success with Liverpool. So, you know, you know, like it or don't like it, he's he's brought, he's being brought back predominantly, obviously in a, in a coaching capacity. Um, he be a, a, a certain level of a role model, I guess, for some of the young lads coming through, and I, I'm sure they'll, they'll use his experience uh, in the academy uh, for, for you know for all it's worth. Um, the strangest, I guess, the strange part of it, and I've I've, I've heard a few you know shouts around his uh, potential selection for uh, under twenty three matches. Um, is that obviously it, 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 it potentially removes spots for other players, you know, for young players coming through. But I think there's always an element in, in the makeup and the mix of those teams that there's a kind of a, a senior player or two who's knocking about whether they come back, coming back from injury or, or, or whatever it may be, someone who's out of favour just to... I think, just I think the idea behind the Dicko is is that when it comes to League Cup and stuff like that, right? Liverpool bring a lot of these players into the fourth team squad to get experience, and at the same time, the twenty ones are, are they going back to twenty ones this season or next season? Twenty three uh, is now this season. It's still twenty three is twenty right. So I think the and I think what happens then is that you'll get the twenty three is playing around the same time, and they have no players. 
to having to bring 18-year-olds up to play against 23-year-olds. So I think the yeah. idea behind this is that he would only fill in when Klopp pulls three, four, five of them out and says, right, you're going into the squad for a League Cup fourth round away game against fucking Wickham or something. You know what I mean? And he's able to step in. I, I can't see him turning up every week to go and go, listen, I want the game. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no. No, listen, it's, it's, it, anyone old enough, and none of us are really, anyone old enough to remember Sammy Lee and, you know, his in and outs at the club as a person, it's just Sammy Lee all over again. Somebody who understands the club, how it's run at all levels, um, and someone who can, I mean, it shows that Klopp and the organisation is serious about what we're doing. I mean, listen, a huge part of our revenue comes from selling, believe it or not, bringing these players to a certain level, and selling them. I mean, we're just about to sell possibly a player who hasn't even got 10 forced team appearances for us for in excess of on target for 20 million quid. Uh, you know, that's where we, and it boils a lot of people's piss, to be honest with you. You know, oh yeah, net's bed champion. That's why we are, because we focus on their development. We send them where we need to send them. They play a certain amount of it and they get market value. So I'm like Jay Spear and, you know, will be a shining light for these lads because he's had a career and he shows these lads that if you are and if you sign up to what we do as a player, you will end up being looked after. I just think it's so fun. I sound like it. I, and I am FSG in because these guys have just come in, genuinely listen to what the club's about and seeing how they can make it lucrative. That's the genius of FSG. They've actually monetized what we do as a club naturally. And do and this is another stroke of genius. Okay, what? How can we make this lucrative for us? Bring another fellow who is a shining example to everybody that chooses Liverpool. I mean, you must remember, there's a lot of 10, 11, and twelve year olds making decisions now with their parents. Do I sign for Manchester United? Do I sign for Manchester City? Do I sign for Newcastle? Do I sign for Liverpool? And a lot of their parents will be looking at what we do thinking, okay, that's a club you'll be looked after. It's another stroke of genius from FSG, to be honest with you. And I just think, I know I know, I, go, I, I sound like a religious convert, but for me, it's just, it's brilliant business and it's just a brilliant finger on the pulse. A lot of people at the beginning of all this talk, oh, FSG, money man, they don't care. They know this club as well as anybody and this is just another sign of that. Um, I'm not going into FSG. Not tonight. I might have to do another show complete on FSG in the next couple of weeks. Because, um, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of FSG houses coming out of the yeah. Woodwork. Yeah, what? we've been called FSG Shields today, which was amazing. <laughs> um, by by people that don't even listen or watch. They just I don't know. I've never listened. Apparently, <laughs> listen, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. They can listen. If they and we've want got to. the exclusive interview with um, w- yeah. The exclusive interviews are obviously behind the paywall that doesn't exist, um, which is the crack. But like I said, if if you're FSG in, FSG out, or, you know, we're somewhere in the middle, if you want to come on here and have a discussion about it, you're more than welcome to. It's always open. It's an open forum, and, and that's how it works. But on Jay Spearing, um, oh, it's a good move for him. I think he's at Tramere last season. He's 33 yeah, he was, years yeah. of age now. He's on the rounds um, in the northwest. He's Bolton. Yeah, Bolton, Blackpool. Blackpool. Yeah, he's yeah, been... Tramier. Yeah, he's been around there. So I think it's a good move for him. Um, you know, he's 33. He's probably still looking enough. He's, he's probably hasn't stopped playing football. Like, genuinely. He's younger than James Milner, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, but I think Milner's playing at that high, high level. I think I think when you're when you're around Tramier, it becomes more of a slog. 
um, at 33, you know, yeah. that sort of way. And look, he's probably looked at an opportunity to get into coaching and this one has fallen for him. And it just happens to be Liverpool Football Club, which is amazing for him. I think the biggest plus in it all for the club is, like we've just said, he's been at Blackpool, Bolton, Tramier. He's been at Liverpool. He's played in the Premier League. He's played, in, I think he might play European football as well. Um, but when you have players there, you know, like you say, you develop them and they go out on loan and stuff like that. I think as a mentor to these players where they go, look, you know, P, you're 20. You know, there's a loan offer there from Bolton, right? And you're going, I want to stay. And, I want, and he's going, listen, they're a good club. Go there. Trust me. I know the people there. Get a year under your belt. Listen, oh, you know, I'm, I may have, do, he may have done it when he was younger. He knows people that have done it when he was younger. And he can point to these players that he's played with. Um, but at Liverpool, um, you know where he says, look, do you remember this guy? He played, he went out a year, two years long. Look where he is now. So I think as a mentor to the players, I think it's huge. Not only in, in the fact that playing football, but it, as a like, you know, like a, a like, like a bit of a life coach amongst the squad, if that makes any yeah. sense. Now I'm yeah. sure Liverpool yeah. have loads of them in the club, liaison officers and all that sort of thing. But to have a, like a, like to have a real kind of footballer that's played at this club and other clubs around the Northwest across, I would suggest all the divisions um, the four divisions anyway, um, I think is a really good thing. And, you know, he's looking to get into this part of the game. And I think at the moment it's a good fit. And, you know, listen, anyone to take it, anyone denying Jay Spear and the chance to come back and do that, ask yourself if you were offered it tomorrow, would you take it? Yeah. But look, I'd be only, I'd be telling them, which shop is cheaper for the cans and stuff like that. It wouldn't be about long moves and stuff like that. I don't think it was him. Um, I, think, I think, see, Liverpool have, have long had this kind of um, setup where if there's young players, even young players, I mean, I know um, lads from back in the day of sort of McManam and Fowler days where they were in the youth squads with, with, with them. Um, they didn't quite make the grade. They kind of played lower league football, and then they brought them back as as coaches. And and then they've kind of created, carved out coaching careers for themselves and gone on elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, there was one lad who I think ended up, I think he was doing a coaching role for the Japan national team at, at one stage. A guy called Stuart Gallen. Um, and so look, we 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 absolutely always will utilize. Uh, lads that have come through the youth setup and the academy, and, and I think it's a really uh, good use of um, players who've got the right kind of makeup, character, you know, characteristics that, that they they have a this tendency to want to coach to bring them back and and, and bring on the next generation because it's a ne- it's a never ending conveyor belt. So um, I think it'll work out. So you know, I'm hopeful that. You know, we mentioned James Milner. I'm hopeful, hopeful that James Milner will want to take on a, a coaching role within the club because I think he would be an absolutely fantastic uh, role model and 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 um, coach to have on the book. So, um, long may it continue. I think this is all back to us being a successful club and being able to um, being able to sort of foster the next kind of generation of, of, of youth. And let's not forget a few people have made the comments here. Even if they don't make the grades, they're, they're an absolutely great money earner in the transfer market. You know, you're getting some decent fees for players now, 20, 30, 40 million, you know, up to that kind of level for, for academy players. We're in showbiz, baby. 
Yeah, I th- I I really I really enjoyed that. I think it's an interesting one. And if it was that, if it was someone you didn't know, you'd kind of go, "Ah, oh, look, yeah, they brought someone in." But with it being Jay Spearing, do you think we'd watch it a bit more and see where it progresses to? I think we might. Uh, yeah, listen, but there'd be no surprises there. He'd be running out with the kids when he's running out. That's simple, yeah. and he'll be holding hands. That's his job, you know. And his job is to to anchor, you know, to show people the path. And listen, whether they go right or they go left. You know, he's been right and he's been left. He's played with big players. He's also played, as you said, Gav, earlier on, he's played with small players at small clubs. You know, so he knows all of the, all sides of the Venn diagram. He knows what can happen. I, I just think it's astute, as you say. It's, it's, I don't know whose idea it was, no idea, but whoever's it was, you know, they've, they've, they've seen that it's someone that will cover all bases for all eventualities for all of the kids that will come through. It's smart. And as you say, Liverpool are known as a club that looks after their own. Whereas I'm seeing an awful lot of clubs out there, particularly the last couple of years, shiting all over their own, to be honest. There's Jesse Lingard, who I mentioned earlier on, at Manchester United since he was nine years of age. Nobody even said goodbye to him. The difference. Um, P. Your loser of the week. My loser, and it's it's a good segue into it, Gav, as usual with you, is um players on well, sorry. Club. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Gav is like a little kid with a fair cushion with that sound boy. <laughs> what a show from Luke Jackson. Sorry, sorry. I'll start the clock, I'll start the clock for you now. Go on. <laughs> no, my my loser of the week is rival clubs. Who uh, a bit like a bit like in contrast to Liverpool, which all losers are at the moment. Uh, rival clubs who are trying to renew or trying to get rid of, but more or less trying to renew with players who, um, you know, have either been fringe or who quite clearly don't want to be at at that club. It's bizarre. I mean, it's I don't know. I don't know if <laughs> Liverpool, the hierarchy at Liverpool, must be looking at other clubs, thinking, "Well, showing you is the way." You know, and I mean, only Port Owl Everton have decided, well, we might look at the Portuguese transfer market, you know, and it's obvious because Liverpool have had a couple of roaring successes there. And as they say, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery and Everton will always slag us off, but then they'll try and do the cheap version of what we do very, very well. Um, um, you know, where do we start? Because it's happening all over the clubs. Because I suppose we could start with, with uh, Pogba and the fact that he has absolutely produced nothing other than 12 or 13 haircuts um, and three or four contract refusals. And yet they have tried right up to the end to get him to renew. And now he's 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 filmed the documentary, basically calling a 350, whatever he was offered. As Phil, Phil would say, don't mention numbers, but whatever he was offered, a nothing offer. Um, you know, we, we see it all the we see it time and time again. It's almost like these clubs are reading the manual upside down to what Liverpool is doing. And they're... But you include in this, you include clubs that are giving deals to players that you feel they shouldn't be and they just... Panicking. You know, they're they're panicking. I mean, I look at the situation, the the best example of the situation for me is the situation with um, Rudiger at Chelsea. I mean, this, this player is toxic. He's a toxic guy. He reminds me of a defensive version of Nicholas Anelka. You know, he he will play and turn up when he feels like playing and turn up. Uh, and he literally, he was anonymous, anonymous until 
the last year of his contract, and all of a sudden he was doing his utmost to convince the world that he was Virgil van Dijk, Mark II. All of a sudden, this character and throwing himself into tackles, and it, he was obviously throwing shapes. Even today, you can see, you can see his statement today was, "Oh, Barcelona were also interested, but when I told my brother, and that's what reminded me of Anelkin. I told my brother once Real were interested, um, you know, I'm not interested in anything else. That's shapes, throwing shapes, you know, trying to trying to make the right noises. For me, he's trouble. I mean, when I somebody mentioned months ago that. Or maybe Liverpool were interested. There's no way. This is a toxic player. So many toxic players. Listen, as Dicko said earlier on, it's a kind of sign of the times. I think players, clubs panic because they think, oh, maybe he'll come good somewhere else and, you know, he'll run down his contract. We'll look ridiculous when we let him go and then he'll pull up trees. I mean, the, the Werner's another example for me. I, I, I don't think Chelsea know what to do with Timo Werner. I mean, it's just. An absolute flop. You know, some players are just toxic, Gav. And what I'm seeing is with Liverpool, I'm sure we've had our fair share of toxic characters. Mohamed Salah is one of the greatest players who's ever played for us. But he's got a toxic agent. Um, and listen, I think Liverpool are going to position themselves like they seem to be positioning themselves that we will get the absolute utmost out of him. And he'll either sign the deal or he won't, but we'll be ready contingency-wise. But it won't be down to our relationship with the player. It'll be down to our toxic relationship with the agent. And that will continue onto his next, you know, unless he changes agents. The point I'm trying to make is I think the, the this week's losers and certainly the summer's losers are all of those clubs that are negotiating with, with players that you can see that they don't want to negotiate. It's just fear negotiation. It's almost like we better do something or somebody else will kind of thing. It's just not the way we're wrong. A bit of that came out in the Eddie and Ketia deal with, with Arsenal. Because yeah, I, like remember, why? I, I remember going back to January and people are like, oh, when Ketia isn't good enough, he'll leave the club. I've read Arsenal fans saying, like, no, we haven't seen a hell of a lot of them. He, he's been all right when I've watched them. Um, but but Arsenal fans were like, oh, he, he's out with a contract in the summer. He's not good enough for Arsenal. Um, get rid. I think he was heavily linked with Leeds in, in January. And Arsenal fans, for the majority that I read, were like, you know, um, we can replace, we can do better and stuff like that. And then he signed the deal. Arsenal have given him another deal when he's let it go right down to the last couple of weeks. And it's all of a sudden, oh, he's the number 14. And 14, of course, is a massive number at Arsenal. A bit like seven or 10 will be. It's, it's a Thierry Henry's number. Yeah, and you've seen Aubameyang and you've seen Walcott are very young taking that number. And and. I don't know if it's a bit of panic from Arsenal with Eddie and Kevin. No, Gav, Liz, you've hit the nail there. Arsenal Football Club are a panic club. And it's funny, you know, a lot of people laughed at Arsenal fan TV, but I think they're a huge part of what has made that club a panic club. They actually <laughs> look at that and they think, oh my God, they panic. They do things through sheer panic. I mean, nobody noticed last week, but I'm not a big Arsenal fan, but Bernd Leno, who they spent 20 odd million pounds on, and who was supposed to be, you know, the greatest goalkeeper on earth? Is he's he's, he's he's going out the back door? I think for nothing. Like Arsenal panic. They just panic. There's no. It's not one of those clubs where you you go in. I mean, Granite Xhaka is the best example I could give you there. Granite Xhaka at a decent football club, a decently run football club, after his seven or eight red card as captain. Would have been shown the door. Arsene Wenger would have shown that guy the door. He would have just went, it's, you haven't got the temperament for the Premier League. You've got a bit of ability. Even that's in question. But you certainly got the, haven't got the temperament to lead and you haven't got the temperament for me. And I can't play 
15% of the season with 10 men. You need to go. Mm. They offered him then a new contract. Yeah, I mean, this and is, he was linked with Rome, I, I think. Um, but they go, you know, it's early days. Like, I don't think the transfer window officially opens till the 4th of July, you know. But, yeah. you know, like, I don't know if Dan, Dan Ketty thing is just a bit mad for me. It was, And I'm only going, I'm solely going on what I read in January and Arsenal's fan reaction to them and he could possibly go to Leeds and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, there's a big, huge thing made when he signs a deal. Some people are saying 100 grand a week plus, by the way. But they go, are we going to see more of this? Are we going to see more of a little bit of panic as the summer goes on? Because, you know, <coughs> I've, I'll say it again, the transfer window's not open yet, right? But all, all of, like, few United fans I'm speaking to are going, what the fuck is going on? Like, if he has a budget, like, they're the recording, their, is he the director of football? I don't know what your man Arnold is at United. But they're recording him, um, under the table in a beer garden. Um, Frankie de Jong doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's been linked with them for weeks. He's meant <laughs> to have a budget. Uh, will you see some panic? You know, Timber, is it Timber? Oh, Foyax has said, no, I'm not yeah. going to United. Yeah, Lou Van Gaal told him, no, you're not going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you but, go, you won't play for me. But, but Dicko, is it, will you see more of this panic come along where they just go, ah, look, just give him a deal. We, we, we can't do this, that, and you'll just give him that deal. Because I think you might. Yeah, naturally. I mean, <clears throat> specifically on the Nketiah thing, I mean, he was literally kind of a, a, a League Cup, FA Cup kind of player for them at the turn of the year. Um, you get into the new year, obviously, Aubameyang goes out the door. Um, Lacazette's form wasn't great. Obviously, then there's kind of talk about um, him looking for a move away from the club and then they kind of turn to Nketiah and he kind of, as strikers tend to, he catches a bit of a streak and he and he scores a few goals and you're probably talking about a, a 10 to 12 game sample size that you then offer a huge contract off the back Sorry, of. the transfer window is open. I thought it was July the 4th. Sorry, go on. That's when it becomes official, I think, yeah. essentially. Anything that you know gets done and whatnot, I think there's official. Dates and whatnot, but yeah, I mean, he gets he gets that big contract off such a short stretch of games, and by the way, a stretch of games that results in them failing to secure the Champions League spot that they absolutely had sewn up at one stage, and and, and he's he's on the pitch when they need goals from players, and he and he and he wasn't there to stick the ball in the back of the net when they really needed them the most sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, I mean, just just in general, I mean, this this is kind of you know, we're not too far removed from days when we did things in panic mode, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah. we, we can sit now from a position of strength. Most of our... Their biggest panic was record signing for about 10 years, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this, <laughs> you know? this, 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 we're sitting from a, a, a position now where we can look at others and we can kind of cast these aspersions that people are, are, are panicking. And rightly so, because... We we we've been we've been in it plenty of times down the years. Um, you know, players getting contract extensions that probably didn't merit it. But then again, what was the alternative going to be? Who are you going to bring in to replace them? What were you going to have to pay? Would they come to the club? Right now, we're sitting in a, 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 a in a position where, generally speaking, um, you know players are coming to us because they want to play for Liverpool. They want to challenge. They want to try and win trophies. They, they, 
you know, any player from outside of England, uh, if they want to, if their kind of ultimate goal is to win the Champions League, then, you know, you, you go into a club that's almost, well, first of all, it's guaranteed to be in it every season now. Um, and secondly, we're perennial um, semi-finalists, quarter-finalists, finalists, whatever. You know, we're, we're there or thereabouts every season. So, yeah, I mean, other clubs aren't able to negotiate from the same platform that we're able to try and do deals now, uh, whether it be with our existing players and not having to break the wage structure to keep players. You know, we're not having to do David De Gea type of madness to keep a player that were, you know, I mean, United obviously got completely hung out to dry on that deal. You know, he was completely in command of that negotiation, you know, at a time when, when, you know, they obviously feared that going back into a period when not having a goalkeeper, you know, was a disaster for them sort of thing. So, um, look, players, players, at the end of the day, this it's all a business and players will sense when clubs, uh, when they've got the upper hand against the club and they'll absolutely um, use that to their full advantage. And, and if you've got a ruthless agent by your side, then that, you'll only see uh, players double down on that advantage as well. So, look, we 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 we've got to be thankful for where we're at, and 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 I get great pleasure from seeing uh, other clubs doing what appears to be bad business, and um, and and well, we'll we'll come on to one particular bad piece of business in a second. It's incredible. It's um, it's funny. Like um, one sec. We're in showbiz, baby. Dicko absolutely nailing the time in here tonight, by the way. Um, big shout out. Um, sounded like fucking Larry Gogan there, didn't he? Um, but I suppose like loads of people in the chat there are mentioning, you know, Sterling being linked with Chelsea. Um, Arsenal's name's in the mix. City have apparently, and this going back a couple of weeks ago, I read it, so it could be just complete bollocks, but um, they were looking at uh, Saka off Arsenal. You know, and and I suppose we do. We will have to wait till the end of the window to see how everything comes out in the wash. But you're right in what you're saying, Dico. You when do you have, when players have an upper hand, you know, clubs nearly and like like Pete said as well. They go, oh, oh, could he? He could actually really be good if he went there. He could be really good. Now we've let him run down to the last two months of his contract. But oh, fuck, if he went there, he actually might be good. And oh, you know what? Fuck it, give him the deal. And if it doesn't work, we we'll try sell him in a year's time. You know, sort of way, but players are in that much. Players can be in that much control where they say, "Well, you know, if you sign a new deal and you try sell me in twelve months, I get X amount of it." You know, the sort of way, like they can write anything they want into contracts, and then you could throw it at Salah as well because Salah is the the only thing I would say on the Salah thing is is that Liverpool have made it clear over the last probably two months ago, um, maybe a little bit less that the deal's on the table, the deal is there. It's not like we're not offering them a deal, so that's a little bit different to where um, where other players stand because you don't really hear anything about it. But as I said, when when um, when the Salah thing comes comes out in the wash, and if numbers come out on the table, then you will be able to make an informed decision on on who done what and right and wrong, and um, it depends where you stand on anyway. Probably going into it. Um, who have we got left? Just me. What? Oh, what have we got? Loser of the week. Yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Well, it's the it, it, mine was the hundred million pound men. Um, 
this doesn't include Darwin Nunes, by the way. He's That's because he wasn't 100 million. <laughs> <laughs> if it was the 64 million man, I'd have let you include him. Uh, still nonsense, isn't it? I still, I was still laughing at the tweets coming over the last week. Yeah. It's desperation. I love it. The asterisk was amazing. I love Five it. days later. It was a beautiful yeah, week yeah. of asterisks. <laughs> but yeah, £100 million. I mean, I actually had two players in mind. Um, we'll probably um, focus more on Lukaku. But I mean, just I'll start off by giving a mention to Jack Grealish because, you know, he's also a £100 million player who squarely sits in the losers column for me at the moment. I mean, his form um, just kept going sort of down and down and down towards the back end of the season, was was barely getting uh, any minutes for Manchester City. Um, obviously, he comes on in that in that game against, who was it against, um, where he almost scored. Um, uh, oh, jeez, I can't even remember. Yeah, Madrid, yeah. Uh, oh, yes. Madrid, yeah. Yeah, Madrid. Game, yeah, almost scores would have probably clinched obviously the, the 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 final place for them. Gets cleared off the line when it was easier to score than not score, um, and and then ultimately they get they get dumped out of that semi final. Um, but it, it it almost went to a new level for me when I seen uh, apparently he was out, wasn't he? Uh, Bemo not wasn't satisfied with his 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 sort of. Uh, underwhelming season with Man City, then starts sort of piping up that he's, um, you know, he, he deserves more minutes playing for England. Uh, and Julius selected um, for them, and he was he was absolutely atrocious. Um, you know, he, 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 I think he got the full ninety minutes. Didn't even didn't even get the hook, um, and you know, he was part of that calamitous defeat for England and he just looked completely clueless and devoid of ideas. I mean, he's, he's to me, he's just turned into a bit of a one-trick pony now. You know what I mean? He, he beats a few men and there's no final ball from him. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's almost headless chicken stuff. And obviously he draws the occasional foul and whatnot, but uh, even gets himself booked in that game. He's just, I, I, I mean... You know, he, he obviously he's he's he's, an, he's another one of these who's just been it's kind of right place, right time, capitalised on a scenario where his, his stock was high. City City needs to go out there and, and kind of make the annual statement by, um, and you know he comes in despite all of what we see in his past in terms of some serious kind of character. Um, flaws and, and, and issues um, with some of the stuff that's gone on in his personal life. But look, they, they make the big investments. I don't see, you know, if you compare that to Liverpool now, uh, irrespective of what the what the amount was, I don't think you see us making a signing like that. I don't think you see us signing a player like that with, with so many red flags about the character. I really don't. That's not what we're about. We're not about trying to you know, rehabilitate people, reform people. You come in with the right character from day one, and I think it's his. I think it's his attitude that's that's ultimately um, got him in this position. And I, I think he's got a big hole to dig himself out of. Um, that's the one side. The Lukaku thing is just so Bombers. bizarre, isn't it? It's it's so bizarre. A hundred million 
um, re-sign him for a club that he he played for previously. So he knows the setup there. He knows what he's walking into. It's not like you know you're walking into a club that you've never really had any dealings with. Um, and within a matter of you know, even when Chelsea were doing what you know, Chelsea were doing well enough, but he kind of points the spotlight on himself um, at, at, at you know a fairly early stage in the season and comes out and and, and sort of lets it slip that he, he's essentially regretting the fact that he's moved away from Inter Milan and and he almost sets the stall out from that moment onwards. Um, Obviously, as those weeks progress, you know, Tuchel decides to give him another chance and try and reintegrate him back into the squad, try and actually um, make good on that investment. But he just never, never um, catches fire at all. And and then they're obviously uh, into the second half of the season and they're still scrambling around to try and find, you know, whether it be Werner, whether it be Havertz, you know, scrambling around for for, for 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 the main man in terms of um scoring the goals for them, which they never really seem to 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 get on top of and, and, and obviously a lot of their goals kind of come from from midfield and even from defenders through the course of the season. So Lukaku I, I just I just you know the mind the mind blows really that 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 you can make such a bad investment, but the one thing, the, the, the commonality between the two of them for me, and again, this is why I don't see Liverpool ever putting themselves in this position, um, is they can afford to do it. Uh, now, Chelsea might be a slightly different situation now, but certainly when they went out and they splashed that cash, and obviously City, uh, self-explanatory, they they go out and they throw this money around and if it doesn't work, do you know what? We'll throw another hundred million at it, and the next one might work. I think it's interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought these two up. Grealish, I agree with you. His stock was high. Um, City wanted to make a statement, and let's be honest. Let, and, and if you're honest, I think most fans in the Premier League looking at Jack Grealish on his former Aston Villa, the type of player he was, would have been interested. In Jack, point, in Jack yeah, Grealish coming yeah. to that club. Liverpool, yeah. Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea. I think they all would have liked him, right? Um, I don't think he's been very good for Man City. Um, and I don't think the fact that Pep's a bit mental helps him. <laughs> no. You know, at Villa, he is that fella that plays kind of off the left-hand side. Works hard enough for Villa, but doesn't have mad, mad responsibilities. And as much as City don't play nice football. They play very mechanical football, very effective football. That's kind of pretty on the eye because they have a lot of the ball, right? Um, And it just didn't suit them. But it's interesting that the talk is around Mares leaving, Sterling leaving, Jesus leaving, Grealish, not, not a word. And you've said there they can afford to do it. If they can afford to buy them, they can afford to get rid of them. And he seems to be the one that no one's mentioning his name. Now, it could be a face-saving kind of exercise where we can't let him go for 100, after 100 million a year later. But I think Pep is the sort of fella that would. he just go, I'm doing it. Because I'm mental. And Is he, though, Gav? Yeah, I think is he, he is. Uh, yeah, I think he is. I think, like, Pep Guardiola signs Ferran Torres. 
and a couple of months later, yeah, sells them to Barcelona. Not as, not as much as not as much as a big splash. But Torres, but one the, no, one. forget the money. It's it's mm. the whole wasn't working. Good luck. You know, player mm. kind of not happy. Good luck. Know. You know, I you get, they that, make money, but 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 the thing yeah. is with him, I can see him actually becoming a really important player at Man City next season because if mm. if the rumors are true around Bernardo Silva, um, Jesus, Mares, Sterling, right? Even if fifty percent of them leave the club, mm. Grealish's stock goes up at Manchester City regardless because I know they might bring one or two in. You know, that's what they do. But it's interesting. But the Lukaku one, and Sleeping Dragon says Lukaku put into place one of the greatest pieces of self-sabotage ever. Um, <laughs> I think he does Thomas Tuchel a massive favour in what he does. And hear me out, right? And this will run over the 12 minutes. But he gets to say, so just pre-warning, right? I'll still play the Dunphy thing because we all like playing it. Um, but the thing is, right, Tuchel signs him at... Hey, what is it? Is it 115 million euros they pay for him? Yeah. It's ridiculous money, right? He signs him. And then when he decides that he likes Inter more and he's doing this and he's doing that, he has to do public apologies and all that. And Tutor tries to bring him back in, right? Like you said, you're bang on. And he can't hit a barn door. Right? Yeah. And I think Tutor realizes that the, the romanticism around bringing Romelu Lukaku back to Chelsea had to have got to Thomas Tuchel and he went with it but what did Lukaku done he gave him a get out of jail free card by going we can actually get rid of this fella and no one will give out and no one will hold it against Thomas Tuchel simply because of what Romelu Lukaku done right Romelu Lukaku I don't think he's any good I don't think he's any good technically I, technically he's not great I don't think he's good you know well, what's he he's a at? flat race player. He's a, he's one of the old flat race players. Oh, flat track bully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we well, yeah. didn't flat track bully anyone this season. Yeah, well. And there's plenty of flat tracking and, and bullies and bullying to be done in the Premier League this season. Yeah, yeah, he's and, not te- technically he's not there. I mean, a lot of people argue the fact that Morata was a better player. And for me, don't get me wrong, Lukaku's an athlete, but when it comes to thinking, positioning, it's just not there. You know, he'll get goals in certain circumstances. Certain circumstances. You know, on the break, when you're running into space, for example, when you, you don't have possession. But when you have possession and, and teams are sitting with two banks of four and sitting midfielders, forget about Lukaku. Forget it. When he's running into space in a poor side, that's ironically when he scored all those goals for West Brom and when he scored goals for Everton because Everton was so poor, that's who he is. And to be honest with you, the, the Lukaku sign, I think you're right, Gav. The Lukaku sign surprised me because I thought Tuchel would have looked at Havertz and went, this is the... T- Havertz for me is Teddy Sheringham, reborn. He's a thinking man centre forward. He won't score 20 goals, but he will create 40 in the right circumstances. He's a very smart player. I was disappointed when we didn't sign him because I thought, Salah, Mane, Havertz. But if, Tommy, if Thomas Tuchel was going to Inter Milan to look for a player, he should have been looking at Tara Martinez to play alongside... Yeah, smart player. To play smart. alongside... Um, you, you know, inst- to be up front instead of Romelu Lukaku. The, like Havertz and Lataro Martinez makes way more sense to me than yeah. no you're right than you're right. Lukaku and, and I think the, the the other thing that you've hit on the well both of you have Jack Grealish for me I mean if City are thinking about dumping a lot of technically brilliant players like Bernardo Silva I don't like him but he's technically brilliant and building a team around Silva what do you want to be Aston Villa you know I mean I, I don't get that I mean Jack Grealish for me 
it's another sign of why Pep people think that Pep Guardiola is a fan. We're in showbiz, baby. Sorry, I have to people keep going. No, they think that he's a fantastic coach. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, the people and then I've heard the other excuse that oh he's a fantastic coach because he gets the best out of great players and all this. For me, I was waiting for Pep to show me and show others why by bring because I I had an argument with Jamie Holm about a year and a half ago. You remember this gaff where I was like I don't see anything in Grealish other than he's the only player that wants a bad wants the ball in a bad side. John McGinn for me is the best player at Aston Villa was the best player even when Grealish was there. For me, he gives you everything. John McGinn and it's funny Alex Ferguson was one of those anyone everyone should sign John McGinn. I still maintain that. But for me, it was like, no, no, Jamie was like, no, 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 greatest this, greatest that. Greatest is a haircut and a few nice touches in nothing games. He's a player of no consequence. But I thought Pep Guardiola, the great master coach, was going to come in and going to show us how he can make Jack Grealish into the new David Silva. Because that, for me, would have been my thinking on it, would have been the plan. But he has failed to do that. And... You know, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't see, I didn't see why he was bringing him in when he had Bernardo Silva, when he had, when he, especially when his Phil Foden. Phil Foden is the best English player, young English player. Yeah, but if, Gre- if Grealish yeah. just, if, if Grealish improved his, his knack of standing at the back post, you know, uh, three, four yards out from the line, he would have scored way more goals Listen, and Gav, made a more Jack impact. Grealish, but, Jack but this Grealish is what I'm is saying. This, this is what I'm saying. Like, for me... Oh, we're talking about it during the week and, and I, I have the feeling that Pep's probably saying to himself, look, if you keep trying the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, you're a bit mad, right? And I think that's where you'd see you've probably got to, where you look at the players that are there and when you go through them, they're all there five, six, seven years, some of them, right? Yeah. And he's probably looking now going, I'm going to change it, right? And while I'm changing the personnel, I'm going to change the style. Like he can, he can definitely go out and find two players that can play as inverted wingers and literally just look to play in a an overlapping fullback to square across the box. He can definitely do that, right? Um, but I think he might go something different. And I think the fact that Grealish's name is not in the headlines as linked away, linked away, or, you know, doubts over this or doubts over that, I think you will see him become more No, he's going to try and build a side around him, Gav. But I, I honestly, I don't see why. For me, I would be more inclined to sit down with Bernardo Silva and tell him, I'm going to build a side around Yeah, but Bernardo Silva doesn't Silva. like Pep Guardiola. Obviously. You know, and this all stems from the fact that wasn't weren't they trying to sign was it Messi they were trying to sign and they were offering fucking two and three players to and Barcelona at the time and Bernardo Silva was one of them. And Jesus I think was there as well. But that's the part where you're right, Gav, that's the part where Bern- uh, Pep Guardiola thinks you can treat people and this is is very Catalan. Thinks you can treat people whatever way you want and then they should be just happy that they haven't been sold. They haven't been given away, and then we go on. These players, and that's the there's a difference between Pep and Klopp for me. I mean, a lot of people think that oh, Pep. The, the difference is Pep Guardiola could never have done what Jurgen Klopp had done at Mainz, had done at Dortmund, just because he doesn't understand that level of guy. He doesn't understand how to take somebody from level A to level C mm. beyond their capability. Doesn't understand that. He just knows elite players. It's a bit like the biggest expose, expose of, of who Pep Guardiola, believe it or not, is Latan Ibrahimovic's his book. Because he just basically tells you who he is. Read the book and he just said, oh, the philosopher. Everything is high-level philosophy. If you do this, of course. 
if you ha- take the best players from the best academies all over the world, Benfica, from the best clubs in South America, the best clubs in Italy, you're, they're going to understand whatever philosophy you put in front of them. But you take a couple of, jo- say, six journeymen in Mainz and six young players, put them together, or five young players, put them together and get a tune out of them. That's brilliant coaching. And that's the difference, I think. Even Pep knows it. Listen, I'm not, I wouldn't go as far as to call him a fraud. He did He did a great job at Barcelona B. And But again, the way Barcelona B was run is you take the best kids from all over Spain, all over Africa, and some parts of Europe, and you put them into your academy, and you get to be in the B team when you're the best of the best of the best of them. So if I'm being honest with you, it is a little bit of a fraud. Show, send him to somewhere like Mainz. Send him somewhere even like Dortmund. But you're not going to get that, Pete. You're never going to get yeah, it. Yeah, unless unless he has a complete... You're not a great coach, Gav. No, well, well, look, that, that argument that argument's probably for another day, but but you're never going to get that unless he has a complete another like change of heart or brain transplant. Pep Guardiola <laughs> is never going to walk into a team in England, Germany, France, Holland, Spain, anywhere. And no, say, you, who, came, who came fifth wouldn't. in the league this season? There are guys that can. Hang on, sorry, Dicko. There are guys that can. Graham Potter, in my No, view, there, there are guys that can. He can. He just best, won't. He's the, best, he's the best coach in the English game after Jürgen Klopp. Graham Potter. But you know why? This is a guy who can. This is a guy who does the work, can break it down. And it's funny that player uh, managers are after his players because they've been coached probably... I don't want to say, I don't want to use terms like fraud, but I look at Graham Potter and I don't understand the English FA. Be, Gareth Southgate is just a blazer. Yeah, but, but, but Graham Potter would be absolutely mental to go anywhere near the England job. Yeah, I think I think just back on Pep, I think, look, is, we know his MO now, don't we? we he, he basically is only going to be prepared for the foreseeable future to work with the elite of the elite clubs. He's wanting to go in and be able to handpick you know, the finished article, shall we say, you know, that's what he believed he was bringing in with Jack Grealish. You know, he'd worked, you know, he'd done, he'd done the groundwork, you know. Dicko, would it be fair to only, would it be fair to hold off, um, you know, your a ruling or, or a feeling on Jack Grealish until you've probably seen him in a city team where you felt that it was being probably built more around him rather than him just being on the periphery, kind of hanging out on the left wing most weeks? I, I mean, I, I personally, I've made my mind up already, but I, you, you can... You, you think can, he's great? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can grant him a second season. Like, there's the, I think the reason why you don't see him going or linked with any move anywhere else, because I, I don't think there's really anyone out there who would potentially be a suitor for him at this at this moment in time. You know, the jury... But, okay, so, so they go, how many would take him if, let's say, City turned around tomorrow and said... If you cover Jack Grealish's wages and ten million loan fee, how many teams do you think in the Premier League it would look at? Um, Maybe United. Was that desperate yeah, for that? I think you. I think you're into that 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 desperate batch of clubs again. I think five. You, I think you might look. You might get yeah four or five. You might get. I think they'd be teams who are trying to secure themselves a Champions League spot. Essentially, you know, you might get say West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal. Manchester United, United. Mm. yeah, yeah. I don't think we, we, I don't think we'd be interested whatsoever, you know, in in a, in a play with that profile. To be honest with you, but no, there'd be there'd be potentially four or five 
suitors out there, probably Villa had taken back just from a, you know, just from a kind of nostalgic. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. To get the Newcastle being mentioned there. Newcastle. I mean, <laughs> New, to me, he, he, he that that's a potential destination for him. Once City have kind of run the course with him, maybe after another couple of seasons. That that you know, if you think about the trajectory Newcastle are likely to be on over the next couple of seasons, that's the the type of splash sign and that would kind of make a bit of a statement to their fans, I think. You know what I mean? Like, we're all waiting for that. Well, do you know we're what, Diego? In effect, in effect, in effect, for me, Jack Grealish is an Everton sign, hasn't worked at a big club, is more interested in himself as an individual, is more interested in how he's perceived. For me, it's more suitable for Everton, for him to go I, and flop at Everton. I think, he, I think he'd be an Everton sign and if it was the Everton that we all kind of knew and loved from a few years ago, which were just spending money like it was going out of fashion, winning every transfer window uh, possible and ultimately failing time and time again at the players that they were bringing in. Um, you know, just, just but quickly back on, you know, now we're talking about Everton. I mean, you take... You're saying about what Pep would and wouldn't sort of potentially take on as a as a as a management role. I mean, just look at what Carlo Ancelotti's been prepared to do down the years. You know, he's, he was prepared to take on a challenger, Evan. He was prepared to take on Napoli and try and make them into a, a perennial force in the Champions League, which he kind of did for a few seasons there. Um, you know, I, Pep, Pep's just going to continue. You know, once this this project that Man City's run its course, you know, he he won't head anywhere other than a club that's going to guarantee him all of the uh, spending power possible. And don't be surprised if Pep Guardiola ends up in Newcastle, Newcastle in four years' time. And that's the thing. Somebody made the point in the comments earlier on. Oh, it's a stupid argument. I don't know who it was. Um, you know, why would you go to? Moines when Bayern no one's asked him to do it now but I'm telling you he wasn't interested as a young coach at all he was only interested in going Pep doesn't understand it's a bit like Ruud Hulley for me Guardiola has followed the path that Ruud Hulley should have done Ruud Hulley had no business going to manage the likes of Chelsea at the time and the likes of Newcastle Ruud Hulley is, was an elite player at the, my favourite player of all time after John Barnes but he had no business going in somewhere like Chelsea at the time. Because he, he really looks at people like Terry Phelan, for example, who he had at Chelsea. And he doesn't understand those players. And he doesn't understand how to relate to them. And he doesn't understand how to improve them. I think Pep Guardiola is exactly the same. He has always been around elite players. Even when he was a ball boy at Barcelona, he was around Stoichkov, you know, people like that. He doesn't understand how to sit down with somebody who may be a bit of a journeyman and say, I'm going to get the best out of you. It's just not a skill set. So when people, and listen, I'm not blaming him for that. I'm just saying when people say he's the best coach in the world, in order to be the best coach in the world, you have to be like that. You have to be, for me, a bit of Brian Clough in you, you know, where you can take a Larry Lloyd at the end of his career, you know, a bit of a Graham Potter in where you can take some unknown Swedish kid at the beginning of his career and make stars out both of them. Brian Clough took... John, John, people like McGovern, and um, who was the winger he had that that Martin O'Neill had as his number two? They, they, nobody else was interested in having these. No, 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 no. Even before Martin O'Neill had him as his own, somebody will say it in the comment. But he took these players when nobody else was interested in and made them European Cup winners twice. Pep Guardiola cannot do that. Will not do that. So 
in order to qualify as being the best coach in the world, you have to do things like that. I'm sorry, but you have to do things like that. Well, look, it's it's always something that pops up on this. this John Robertson. John Robertson. <laughs> um, it's it's always something that pops up on this channel. I'm sure it pops up on other channels when it, when you get down to Pep Guardiola and and different things. But like, I I always say it is what it is, you know and. And that's where he is, and, and I kind of, I, I kind of do get the argument when people say, "Well, look, he just Barcelona be into Barcelona," and people make the argument, "Well, Barcelona went in the best of shape when he came in, but he knew what he was going to get at Barcelona." Bayern Munich, um, onto Man City. I don't see him going anywhere really, other than probably Paris Saint Germain to finish it all off, and then head off into over to America for another load of money and retire nicely over there. And that's fine, but don't call yourself or don't have, you know, don't, don't people shouldn't mention him in the same breath as the great coaches. He has a certain thing and Laszlo Panaflex keeps talking about it. But listen, Laszlo, before he was offered the Barca job, there would have been small clubs in Italy. For example, he played for a club where he failed, failed a drug test as a Brescia. player. And they wanted him to, to manage them. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to manage Espanyol. He didn't want to manage anybody else. He wanted to wait for an elite club. So don't talk to me about stuff I already know. Laszlo, he was offered big jo- or, uh, other jobs and didn't want to take them. But braver managers like Clough in the past, like Jürgen Klopp, took what they were offered and proved themselves. Pep Guardiola is, as as Latan put it, the great philosopher. It's all about you. Well, look, um, we've ran over time, but I've really enjoyed it. So, I'm not going to apologise. Me, Dicko, and P have had a lovely time. Absolutely. Um, Dicko, Dicko just stuck a tenner there on um, on his Paddy Power app on Greenwich to be played a year next season. Well, you can put a World Cup player of the tournament. <laughs> player of the tournament, Qatar <laughs> 2022. Um, Jack Grealish. Um, but look, me and my predictions. I'll give you some early predictions. Oh no, 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 no. I don't wins. No, no. I don't want any predictions from you whatsoever on Liverpool. None, because you are the biggest Jonah in the world ever. You know what I mean? If if Dicko predicted it was going to be bright when you wake up in the morning, it'd be fucking dark, right? So, um, look. it's been a really good show. Um, tomorrow night we have got the transfer show. Uh, no transfer knowledge, it's called. Um, Wednesday we have, I'm recording um, and In My Life with a viewer and subscriber. That's going to be recorded and it'll go out probably Thursday morning. And Wednesday night we're doing a draft. I don't know what it's on yet. I don't know who's on it. But we're doing a draft on Wednesday night for a bit of crack midweek. Have a bit of crack. And um we go from there. Thursday is the viewer's voice, which we will have out um, live on Thursday. Friday is Sports Unplugged, and then we'll be back to things on Sunday. Failacon is our charity partner. Um, link is in the description. Um, we're waiting on a couple of donations to come in that will bring us over 8,000 of the 10,000 euros, which will be great. Um, so if, we, if, if they come in and... We're down to our last two grand. We're going to bombard you. But the link is in the description to read about them. The second link in the description is also there to donate. If you can donate, great. If you can't, send it to friends, family, colleagues, wherever it might be, even people you don't like, and just ask them to donate. It's a brilliant, brilliant charity. And if we're two grand away from our target, I think we should absolutely go hell for letter to try and get there. Um, thanks a million to P. Thanks a million to Dicko. I've been Gav. That's been winners and losers. Thanks a million to everyone in the chat. Um, you can like if you want. We don't ask anymore. You can subscribe if you want. We don't ask anymore either. So um, all the best. Over now. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.